welcome to the Breaking 90 podcast, where we talk about all things sustainable fat loss. We take people on 90-day journeys to creating fat loss forever. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Breaking 90 podcast. I'm your coach, Jerrica, with my excellent co-hosts, Coach Kelly, and we are two of the coaches of Breaking 90 Fitness. Hey, Kelly, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm excellent and loving the sunshine. Yeah, good. I want to share a really fun experience with you. Um, maybe Alex has already talked to you about it, but about a week ago, my partner, myself, Alex, and his wife, Devin, all headed to Burlington together to go to this place called Activate. Have you heard of it? No. It's incredible. I don't even know how to put it into words. It is basically like every, there's like 20 rooms in this place and every single room is a different game and then with it you can play like two to six different versions of the game so you go in in teams of four so obviously the four of us were were a team but you can choose in each of the rooms if you want to play competitive or cooperative with each other um cool alex and devin were present so there was a lot of competition involved (laughs) yes super fun very intimidating um so each of these different rooms has different elements to it so you can go into some that have lasers where you're literally like ducking and diving and trying to get to the other side um there's some that have hoops so basketball is obviously the focus there and there's different versions of that game there was ones where you're like hitting buttons on a wall but you have to do it in a sequential order so you're literally like four of you are whipping around the room flying to hit these buttons flying into each other and they should mention <laughs> all in the dark um and everything oh. neon yeah wow incredible and then one of them was a rock climbing room so like three walls is this like you know floor to ceiling rock climbing wall and you have to scale low to the ground obviously it's kid friendly but you've got to scale from one side to the other as fast as possible touching all of your light up neon you know little handles it was the most fun I've ever had as an adult that's um, amazing yeah I thought we thought of you the entire time I was like Jericho would absolutely love this um, <laughs> yes Devin is a beast. She was like the winner in basically all of the rooms minus I think basketball. It was so much fun. We were out of breath in the first 30 seconds. Um, and like each room is 30 to sec- pardon me, 30 seconds to about 60 seconds per game. So it doesn't last long. It's just enough to kind of like cognitively really wake you up and physically demand everything from you. Um, talk about 20 minutes of purposeful movement. That is so fun. That's totally up my alley and definitely close to me. So I'll be checking that out. Yeah, it's well worth the drive. I think it was $25 for the hour and you can pay an extra $10 for another half hour or something. It was so much fun, especially to do with a group of really fun people. Awesome. I love finding little hidden gems and fun different things to do within cities. That's really fun. Yeah, let me know if you go. I would love to hear your experience. I will definitely let you know. That will probably be happening soon, I'm sure. And your staff. Awesome. Oh, okay. Well, I'll make note. Awesome. So what awesome. do you have for us today? I, yes, I have a topic for you today. Um, so I know a few weeks ago, you and Alex talked about um, how people-pleasing can, um, specifically people-pleasing, can kind of self-sabotage specific goals in fitness. I want to take a step back from people pleasing. And I want to look at self-sabotage as a whole, um, because I think this was a really important topic. And I think we can kind of, I'm going to pick your brain on this one because this is totally a Kelly topic, but I want to just talk about what it is, 
Um, we talk about some strategies on how we can signs of self-sabotage. We'll kind of take this in a couple different directions, but specifically relating to health and fitness. Cool. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. You're comfortable with that? Yes. And okay. I let you lead and answer questions or I can kind of sure. to it and take it in different directions. I'll leave that up to you. Let's just start with what it is. A lot of people don't maybe know when they hear the word, they can kind of figure it out. But what would you say is self-sabotaging? In sure. Let's try to keep it health and fitness related. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do generally. So people are sure. in a general sense, and then you can kind of, we can draw parallels to the, the fitness. Definitely. Journey. If we think about sabotaging, so ruining, wrecking, destroying, that kind of thing, that that is the general energy of the word is to tear down, essentially. So you're adding self to the beginning of that, meaning you are tearing down self. Um, When it comes to goals, health and fitness, what you are setting out to do, you are then wrecking on your own terms. Now, can this be, is this always intentional or could it be like unconscious? Absolutely. It can be self like a subconscious for sure. It can be intentional as well. Um, and I think we know that because we obviously can self-sabotage and sabotage others. Uh, but yeah, a lot of it is unconscious and we typically don't necessarily know the motivation behind it. Awesome. Awesome. I think this is, I think a lot of people are like, oh, this isn't me. But once we get into some descriptor, descriptors and some examples, I think we're, every single person will relate to this. And I think it's more common than we think. Absolutely. And it, what's really interesting, and we'll probably get into this at some point in the discussion, is that sometimes self-sabotage can look very much like success. Um, for certain personality types, they will self-sabotage by overachieving to the point of perfection um, and also racking up accolades, awards, um, you know, things that put them in the limelight of their success. Uh, so it can interesting. Yeah, it, it is. It can look like you went from all to nothing. Um, and both can be sabotaged depending on the intent. Interesting. Interesting. So w- let's keep this general then. So why, why as humans, do you, like, this just be what you think, do you think that this is so common or why do we, why do we do it to ourselves? Is it just something that we're, is it our environment teaching us that's okay? Is it something that, you know, we're inherently born with or well, what, what would you say? First, I'm so excited. <laughs> like this topic <laughs> is so enthusiastic because I love, I love taking good care of people. And the question that you're asking is, let's get to the bottom of something so that we can take care of ourselves. And as coaches or family members and friends of people who are trying to achieve good things for themselves, how can we support them if we understand that self-sabotage comes from some feeling of not being worthy, right? So to go back and answer your question, there's kind of three different ways that we can approach intent behind self-sabotage and why we do it as general human beings. Um, There are certain personalities that come from a place, pardon me, let me back up. I want to address this first. Typically, any, any defense mechanism is built up as a result of understanding that our needs are not being met. So when we're really small children and we are fully understandably completely dependent on other people, i.e. adults to meet our needs, something is coming into our reality to alert us to the fact that, oh, be careful, your needs are not gonna get met if you don't behave a certain way, right? So this is where all of our 
unhealthy uh, conduct stems from. So it begins with evidence. I want to put it that way, because then we get conditioned into believing that it's going to be true going forward, right? right? So it's not that there's something fundamentally wrong with us as individuals. It's that we had evidence. And then somewhere along the way, probably continually, family, friends, society, systems, and institutions within the world reinforced the fear that your needs are not going to be met. So that's where self-sabotaging stems from. Awesome. You mentioned three different directions or three components. Yeah. So a lot of us, pardon me, if we break down the different types of personalities, we've got people who live in different emotional states as a fundamental kind of state of being. So there's the fear state, there is the anger state, and there is the shame state. So these different personalities can kind of be subcategorized into those three, three individual places. So for the people in the fear state, they're very fundamental needs, right? They're very much focused on, um, you know, survival states are not, pardon me, survival needs are not going to be met essentially. So when we set out, I want to tie this back into health and fitness quickly here. For sure. Set out to actually achieve something. We want to achieve either, you know, body composition or, you know, cardio uh, stability or stamina. This is where we can sabotage that we don't have what we need. So we're not going to start, right? This all or nothing mentality comes in. Um, if I if I set out to do something, I'm going to injure myself. We can go back to fundamental needs of injury. So we can stop ourselves before we begin, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm so glad you made that tie in because at first I was a bit confused with what you mean by fear and the survival needs weren't met. And I can see that in the greater scheme of things. But now that you tied it into the fitness aspect I'm like oh this is really common okay well hang on we can break these three down even further in the fear state so we've got some personality types who are very much focused on I need to know everything before I start I need to sponge up all of the information and feel very in control about what I'm doing in terms of knowledge and competency before I begin doing anything so that whole idea of being well-informed starts from a good place of intent or conscious intent, but subconsciously it's, this is overwhelming. I need to control things before I fully engage, right? And if people are watching this, you can even see that my body language is tensing my shoulders. I'm kind of curling inwards. That's what this personality type does. Then we've got another one in that fear triad that looks at, well, anything could go wrong. I could get injured. I could be, you know, derailed. I need to get prepared for everything physically, which is a little bit more than prepared knowledge wise. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Cool. Then we've got the other personality type in that triad where it's like, well, what if it's not fun? What if I get partway through and this is just not fun for me and I feel something that I don't want to feel. And so I'm not going to do that thing. I'm not going to do what's asked of me or I know what is healthy uh, to get to that goal because I need to avoid the feelings that come with it. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So these three in the fear triad can sabotage particularly in those ways. Interesting. That That's sense? really interesting. Can we, do we, can I identify with more than one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, most of us have a core fundamental drive or an unconscious motivation that is more dominant than the rest, for sure. Yeah. But all of those can make sense to us on different levels because essentially as whole human beings, we have access to all of these different qualities and characteristics, right? right? There's going to yeah. be one major driving force, but of course we resonate with all of that. And that is our empathy, our ability to access empathy as human beings. 
Absolutely. That's really interesting. Okay. So fear now, anger. Yeah. So anger is really interesting. So there's one particular personality type in the anger triad where it's like, no one can tell me what to do. I'm going to resist authority. So working with coaches can be very difficult. <laughs> if it's not my idea, then I don't want to do it. Right. And, and this comes from the, the place of, I don't want to be controlled. Right. It's not necessarily that they have to be the ones in control. They just don't want to be controlled. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I can sign up for a coach and then resist everything that they say. So there's a form of self-sabotage, right? I can tell people that I'm in a program and it looks like I'm doing my work and my self-care, but I'm combative with everyone in the group or the individuals telling me what's good for my, for my goals. So yeah, definitely. Okay. Then we've got another personality type in the anger triad, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, but just, just follow me here for a sec. These individuals are extremely passive. So they fuse with other people's needs, thoughts, and opinions because they don't know their own needs. They don't know their own preferences or opinions. So they can be very agreeable. They can go along with what a coach says uh, is best for them. And they look like they're on board. They look like they're like, yeah, okay, that sounds great. And then they do nothing. So these personality types self-sabotage in that They'll say yes, they'll people please, if, if we're kind of leaning back into that, that original topic, but then they won't follow through for themselves. Um, and there's a really, really interesting unconscious motivator there where they don't feel like they matter. They don't feel like anything should really be about them. So even though I have an assignment, even though I have something to focus on, what does it really matter if I follow through with this or not? So there's, there's an unconscious feeling or, or lack of self-worth that drives them to not follow through. Does that make sense? Yeah, I feel like this one's common just with a lot of the moms. Like, I feel like they don't prioritize themselves. They put people please, they put their family first and they just kind of, well, yes. you know, it's often that we see them either ghost the coaches because, right? Because they're just so, so preoccupied with their family and they're not the important ones, even though they did sign up and did yeah. take that step. And I'm going to touch on another personality type that's going to sound really similar to this one in just a second. They're in a different triad, but just keep that okay. because these two can often be really confused. Um, the other one in the, in the anger triad is the perfectionists, right? The ones who want to constantly improve, constantly do and be good. So they might follow things to a T in the beginning because they want to you know, X things off on their calendar. They want to tick things off to show you they've completed everything like you asked. Um, they like the idea of, well, completion, right? Um, but really there is this feeling of all or nothing again, of if I'm not good all of the time, then, well, what's the point, right? So they, they go back into this, well, I'll be bad, quote unquote. Does that make sense? It's almost like they give themselves a, like an excuse to say, okay, like I can be bad on Saturday because I was perfect all week. Is that this one or is yes, it a different one? I love that okay. you that up because these people in particular, and, and I don't mean these people, I actually identify most with this one, is that it's so not good to be bad, follow me here, that I have to do it in a closeted way. So if I am not on track with my nutrition on Saturday and I did give myself permission, I won't check in with my coach. I won't tell them how bad my nutrition was that day, or I will eat in private, right? Some of us will do the quote unquote bad thing where no one else can see us. Does that make sense? Yep. Or like 
I, I kind of identify as like, I'll sneak, sneak in quotations as well. I'll have multiple little mini treats and snacks all day, but not count those. And I only count my meals because in my mind, my meals were perfect. But those little things I put in my mouth throughout the day don't mean anything when in reality, they add up. You nailed it. And then to make up for that, because we've, we've been bad, we can overcompensate when we come back to the routine or the regimen or what's expected of us. And so anger definitely sits there because we're not, we're not dealing with those healthy things. So that's where self-sabotage exists in those three. Is that good so far? Yeah, I'm following you. Cool. So then we've got the other triad, which is shame. Um, and in this one, this is the one I was uh, going to say that can be often confused with, with one of the ones we talked about in fear is that there is this fundamental drive to be appreciated or acknowledged, if that makes sense. And so in this personality type, I don't have needs. It's not good to have needs. I'm here to meet other people's needs. So it's not necessarily that you fuse, you're not merging with that personality, but you're sitting there essentially saying, it's not good for me to have needs, so I'm here to serve you. And if I'm not in service to other people and being acknowledged and appreciated by them, then what's the point, right? Then, then I'm no good. Does that make sense? Yep. So there's a driving emotion of shame because there's a lack of self-worth there. If I'm not good to someone else or good for someone else, then I don't have worth. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Interesting. Then we have, I'm going to kind of skip here if anyone knows what I'm doing. It's actually the Enneagram, which is a personality typing system. This is where I'm talking about self-sabotage from. There's a certain type in the shame triad where I am unique, I'm special, and no one understands me. Um, and so when you assign me tasks to complete the goals I told you I want, you don't understand my suffering. Um, I need to change it and do something unique because I'm special. Maybe my injuries make me special. I could be very much tied to the victim mentality of, oh, well, I can't do what you're asking of me because X, Y, and Z. And I'm not talking about the honest people who have had injuries, working with physiotherapists and have limitations and respect them and then move on. I'm talking about that victim mentality of, I can't move forward with my life, right? And they hang on to this personality or this identification of being unique. And so anything that's laid out in front of me as options for moving forward and feeling whole, well, I would lose my identity if I did that. So I've got to hang on to this excuse that my needs are different than everyone else. Does that make sense? Yeah, I actually, this one's relating. It's quite common. I see this one, especially with injuries, people identify who they are with an injury that they had 10 years ago, but they're still identifying with it, right? Yeah, and so it's interesting. They sit in the shame triad because these three personality types, I'll get to the third one in a minute, fundamentally don't believe that they can be loved for who they are on their own. Does that make sense? Yeah. When we were talking about the one just before this, if I'm not, if I'm not acknowledged in relation to another person, then I'm not loved. If I'm not useful to another person, then I'm not loved. Well, this one that we're talking about now is if I am not unique, if I don't stand out, then I am not loved. Is that good so far? Yeah, absolutely. And then that third one, what I kind of touched on before we jumped into all of this is the performer, the like overachiever, the, I will, I will run all the marathons and half marathons. I will run all of the, the challenges. Maybe I'll even, you know, design them and, and be the host of them kind of thing. So there's this outward projection of image. They're really, really image focused in terms of 
I need everyone to believe I'm successful. I need everyone to believe that I am the best at what I do. Um, because if I'm not earning not just acknowledgement, but that praise um, and that admiration, there's the word, mm. then then what what is my worth essentially? So that's where I was saying they can overdo it and sabotage that way because they actually aren't emotionally attached to their goals. That's the big one. That's what I just started to think about. It's like the bigger why that we've talked about. You got it. And so that why for them or that unconscious why for them is the image that they project to other people, not where they've checked in and gone, what matters most to me, right? So they're, they're trying to, to achieve a certain image more than anything. Awesome. That's so interesting. This is the first time I've actually had the conversation about digging into this. So it's, I'm learning so much and I'm sure our listeners are as well. I, I'm so excited for questions that are going to stem from this. <laughs> People are writing in. Um, so did that, that cover kind of what you were intending today or is there more you want to Definitely. Take? That actually went into like even more than I could have imagined. So kind of what I, my next question would have been like signs as a coach right, that we should be looking for, or maybe in ourselves, that of self-sabotage. But you kind of gave a lot of examples there as you went with each kind of triad and gave examples, but maybe we can give a couple more signs, even just little comments to, to make people realize, oh, maybe I am self-sabotaging. For example, like we mentioned, the, the I'm good all week, so I'm going to have this on, like, I'm going to go crazy on Saturday. Um, I'm trying to think of some other I had a few examples written down. I am happy to do it. And and I'm going to actually draw people's attention back to their own language. Um, If coaches are listening, coaches can listen to the client's language in particular. Um, And if people are re-listening to this, you're going to hear it in the way that I've I've described people's excuses um, and their ways of interacting with the coaches. So if we go right back into that fear triad where we started, um, when you're dealing with the first personality type that we were talking about, they're going to have so many questions for you. They're going to tell you they can't start right away. They're going to, they're going to want to know the whys and hows of everything. They're going to trip you up potentially. I'm not saying that all people do this. This is if people are unhealthy and in their, their excuses and their self-sabotage, they're going to delay starting because they need to understand before they begin. So if you're inundated with questions or you feel that you are delaying your own starting point because you need to know more, then there's a good idea or sense that you might be in that self-sabotage instead of jumping in and seeing how you feel, right? Or seeing yeah. how you're affected. Um, that second one that we were talking about they are fixated in the worst case scenario. So if you're getting questions as a coach about, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? The what ifs are their biggest indicator that they are in self-sabotage or in a lack of health. Let's, let's say that, right? Where they haven't necessarily done uh, a lot of their self-work or growth. Um, uh, pardon me, that, that personality type is big on what ifs and worst case scenarios. Then we get into the other personality type, the third one we were talking about, where it's like, well, that's not fun. Well, that's not fun. Well, I don't enjoy that. Well, that's right. It's all focused on good feelings. And if you are going to make me feel anything that is uncomfortable or brings up emotions that I don't associate with fun, good riddance, right? I will write you off. So yes, those are excellent examples. And that's kind of exactly what I was hoping for, because this leads into my next question. And we can keep this broken down into the three, like the what if, the why start now, those are great. So then 
as an individual or as a coach working with these individuals, let's keep it into the three and say, okay, so strategies, maybe we can mm-hmm. give some take-home strategies. So let's, I can't remember what the first one was, but for example, like the what ifs, like maybe some questions I could ask them. And I know this is so much deeper than maybe just a question back as a coach to give to my client, but it could really help. And I know that, you know, as a coach, there's a, there's a time when if coaches are listening, there's a time when we need to, obviously, if we can't get through to our client, referring out to a mindset coach or to any variation of is super important, but I think there are great questions back or strategies we can give them or take home messages. So if we can kind of keep that divided and see if we can give a strategy or a tip. Yeah, absolutely. And okay. I think you're going to laugh at me because here I go again, digging into the why of the goal in the first place is really important. Definitely. So Step all one, yeah. Questions, yeah, that we've talked about in the B, well, in many podcasts before this, evaluating like, why do you want this goal? Or why do you believe that you want this goal can give us an indicator as to whether or not it is stemming from this place of true desire or image conscious, like we've talked about. And then once we've determined that the why is somewhat related to a real desire, then deadlines are really important, right? Mm. So being able to, and, and actually merge these conversations. So using that why that they have hopefully owned at that point, uh, going through those reflective questions, giving them a deadline and saying, you know, can you commit to, do you feel comfortable committing to, or when is a date and a time that you're willing to commit to, to make them own when they're going to get something done by. And I'm specifically thinking about workouts in this situation, right? Um, and the same questions can be applied to nutrition. So what is a comfortable number, number of fistfuls of vegetables that you'd like to commit to today or this week, right? So asking them to own their commitments, and this goes for everyone of, of different personalities. When we step into owning what we know our issues are or owning what we want to commit to, there's a bigger sense of personal responsibility instead of, oh, well, my coach told me to, right? Because each of those personality types are going to have different flare-ups if they're feeling like they were just told to do something. Even those ones who like to follow it to a T, eventually you're going to see similar behaviors to the other personality types when they fall off the rails. Does that make sense? That's true. It's a really, yeah, especially generalized. You're right. Like we can, this makes sense across the board from everything that you described. I even think like as an accountability coach, you just saying, you know, when do we think between this day and this day, like still giving a guideline, do we think we can commit to this one workout between these two days or these four days or whatever it may be, giving a general date range and letting them choose still gives them that control, but also we're, we're kind of gearing them in the direction that can be helpful. Is that kind of? Absolutely. And I, this is going to be a little bit more finicky, but in terms of language, when you're asking them to commit to something, if we know, you know, where they identify most with in terms of this personality uh, typing system, we can ask them things like, does that feel fair to you? Because some of those personalities will gravitate more toward fairness. They want to know that they're being treated with fairness. Some of them, it's going to be just, you know, does that feel exciting for you? Um, Does that inspiring for you, right? Those ones who are fixated on fun and outward image, they're going to gravitate towards that kind of stuff. The ones that don't want to be controlled or don't necessarily um, know to think for themselves, does that feel comfortable for you? Does that feel reasonable for you, right? Where they're not feeling forced into everything. Because of those different personality types too, we can kind of break them down into a lot of different ways. Not only do they have these unconscious motivators that's going to create this unconscious 
self-sabotage. They also have stances in the sense of how they move with, toward, or away from individuals. So as a mm-hmm. coach, if you're coming on hard, maybe that's the way you run your business, right? Maybe yeah. you're forceful with your clients. You're not necessarily going to understand why that works for, for some and not with others, or you might not care, right? You might be like, well, this is the way I run my business, but you're shutting out two thirds of the people essentially, because some people need that softer approach where they feel like you're moving with them, right? Some people need you to come at them and they respect that because that's how they move at or, or with people. And then some people have a natural stance to withdraw. So if you are not allowing them to make those decisions and come to their own conclusions, they're withdrawing no matter, no matter what you're doing. That's so interesting. I'm actually related. I'm thinking about scenarios in my head when I used to do in-person personal training. And I think about, you know, with one client, I was like, they wanted me, you know, jumping up and down, cheering, screaming. I'm swearing. Like we're having a time. We're so pumped up. And then my other client, I'm basically like carrying them from one station to the next, like (laughs) guiding them, putting the ball in their hand, whispering nice things in their ear. Like it's very different. I think about all my personalities, but you're right. You have, if, if that's how you want to run your business, I definitely, as a coach, changed who I was, in a sense, to gear towards the client's personality. And, and I'm glad that I was doing maybe the right thing. So that's kind of cool. Well, yeah. And it's really cool because there isn't a right or a wrong way to do it, right? How yeah. you run your business is your business, essentially, with you know double meaning there. So if you are using your empathetic skills, and that is something that you desire to do, then that's fantastic. If you are someone who said, this is how I like to operate. This is the clientele I want to attract and keep. Then great, you found your niche. That's a big thing, right? The niche, and that's your. And I, I can think of other coworkers or previous um, colleagues who who run their business a specific way, and and they'll just clients will gravitate towards that specific type of trainer, right? And and then they're okay with only having, like you mentioned, a specific population, and and that's great. Yeah, it's cool. And I think this is something that's really great to consider when, you know, we hear all the time, like, it's about finding the right teacher, it's about finding the right coach, Um, they make all the difference when your personalities just don't jive, that's not a bad thing. It might just be that you're teasing out some things that you've either buried within yourself, or you know enough about yourself that you need a certain personality type to meet you where you're at and pull more out of you than you're willing to give. Like, there's no right way or wrong way. Um, Unless you're just being a mean person of course yeah (laughs) but what's important here is that you're actually taking the time to find what works for you and like Uh, you said there's no right or wrong but it's just the fact that you're acknowledging that this is best for me that's a huge step in itself yeah and for people maybe who are listening who are not current breaking 90 clients this might be where you sit there and go shit I can recognize you know these different ways that I have self-sabotaged in the past this is my pattern. Maybe this is something I would like to bring up to a coach in the future, uh, you know, whether it's us or another, another individual or group to say, Hey, heads up. I want this. This is my pattern when I get derailed from my why, and I'm going to need these particular things from you to help get me back on track. You know, maybe I, I, I can't take the softness. I need you to be in my face, or I need you to be kind, but you know, consistent or persistent. Um, knowing that about yourself is really important because you then can step up 
catch yourself in the pattern, see it coming even potentially, and reach out yeah. and be asking for help, which is very difficult for a lot of people um, and, and personality types because these are the unflattering parts of ourselves, right? We don't necessarily want to advertise it to people, especially coaches we're just interviewing. Definitely. And I think what's common um, as a coach and, and in the world of health and fitness is typically when we, when we see clients in, in the first little while we're getting to know them, they might not know that about themselves because they haven't worked with one of us before. They haven't worked with any coach before. So they might not yet necessarily know what they need from us. And that's why it's so important, like you mentioned, as a coach to have these conversations, dig into the why. But then when we've been working with them, I'm thinking about current clients, you know, you work with them for X amount of time. Now you're like, I know this person needs this message and written in this way. And I know this person. So it takes time. And I think that's what's important here is not to to listen to this podcast and think you have to know which one you identify with right away. You have to know what steps you need to take and take home messages. It takes time to figure that out. It takes a lot of self-discovery and, and working with different coaches or maybe working with yourself, trying different programs and whatever it may be, but it's not going to happen just from one podcast. However, it can really help you identify with specific things that might help the next steps after this. Yeah, you're talking about building relationships and, and your relationship with your coach or your trainer, whoever you might be, you know, hiring for your fitness journey. Um, rapport needs to be built, right? You're, you're building a system of hopefully trust and security. And we all get there in different ways. Yeah, that's awesome. Is there anything else that you'd like to touch on, Kelly, just to make note of, to make everyone aware of? You've given us so much useful information already. <laughs> Thank you. It was a ton of fun. Um, I, I suppose if people are really interested in what I've been referring to in terms of the, the pardon me, the personality typing system, you're welcome to go out and look at the book called The Complete Enneagram by Beatrice Chestnut. Um, that is what I would recommend people, you know, gravitate towards. It's really great uh, information, uh, credible information. That's the most important thing. There's also a book called The Road Back to You by Ian Cron. Um, I think that's a really great starter too. It, it's not as intimidating. The one I recommended first is about 400 pages. That's if you're really nerdy like myself and want to know personality <laughs> types. Um, and some of you will, some of you will want to know all of them. Some of you will just want to know yours and you can get right to it. Um, but those are both really great resources. I think some of them are faith-based, but you know, take it with a grain of salt and apply it to whatever your belief system is. Um, the point is it's helping you live healthier and happier. Um, if you're doing self-work. Absolutely. I'm so, I'm a little bit being a little bit selfish because I'm, I was so interested in this conversation and, <laughs> and learning more about this because it's something that I've never had a conversation really about. And since working with you as a colleague, I have learned so much and I've dug into so much about who I am as well. So I'm just being selfish here with this <laughs> podcast, but also knowing how helpful it's going to be for everyone else. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was yeah. really interesting. My pleasure. Awesome. Do you have a take-home tip of some sort for everyone today? Yes, this is a really gentle one, and I'm, I'm glad I came prepared with this one because that got into a very intense place in the, the conversation. <laughs> 
Uh, just accessing nature. So this is a mindfulness tip. It also has great effects on the physical body as well. Um, to the best of your ability, if you can make your way out into nature at least once a day, um, to touch greenery, whether that is touching leaves, and please, you know, treat them gently. They are living things. Uh, if it's being barefoot in the grass, putting your hands in the soil, this is something that has incredible effects on our physical and mental health um, when we are returning literally to the earth. Um, the earth has a great ability to absorb our energy, whether it's really fun and excitable energy or really negative um, and stressful energy, not judging it, it just is what it is. Uh, returning to nature and just being able to touch that physically um, can have a lot of healing properties if people are interested in that. Does it ever? And it makes you think that we're doing a, an outdoor challenge with our clients this week. And one of them is to get out and do exactly that. And, you know, people think that it always has to be walking and hiking and biking, but really just taking some quiet time and, and actually feeling the ground. I love my feet in the grass. It's one of my favorite things. So awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, if anyone has any questions at all, don't hesitate to reach out to myself or specifically Kelly on this topic. Um, please comment, share with anyone who you think might love this topic. We'd be happy to hear from all of you. And we will see you next week on our podcast. Thanks so much.